Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We are all failures. At least the best of us are. J.M. Barry. You know, I was annoyed that everyone got to the border before me, even though I left before them. You know, I was always the first out of camp and I was always the last to camp. You know, I'm a slow hiker. I could put in the miles, but I got to put in the time. Um, and I was <laughs> frustrated. And in my, like, I, we had 12 miles that last day to do to the border. And I was still pissed off that I couldn't walk as fast as everyone else. That, that still bothered me. And I was like, and I literally in my last three miles being like, you idiot, you're, you are literally about to finish the PCT, this thing that you came back and did, like you have been on this trail for five and a half months and you are still, and like you're still being a bitch that you can't walk as fast as everyone else. I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. We are sitting down with a very special guest this week that I can't wait to talk to. 
He is a long distance backpacker, an outdoor photographer, a filmmaker, and a creator of the book Hiker Trash Vogue. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Tommy Corey. How's it going, Tommy? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Is it safe to say that uh, after a couple of episodes departing from our usual hiking fair, we, we spent a couple of episodes recently uh, with some some wingsuit flyers who jump out of planes and off of off of mountains uh, wearing you know next to nothing, uh, which is very anxious for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's another branch of the outdoor adventure tree. But is it safe to say that we are returning to our hiker trash roots? Is it fair to call you hiker trash? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, do you wear that you wear that badge with honor? I think so. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. what what are the <laughs> prerequisites to acquire the title hiker trash? Oh man, that's a good question. Um I don't like I mean just beyond being like dirty and gross, like I don't know. It's a it's a dirty and gross mindset too. Oh, it's a mindset. <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a, <laughs> I think it's a I state of I get, mind. Yeah. I think hiker trash is like, yeah, it's like a state of mind, you know, it's just being like comfortable in yourself and with others and kind of letting people really see who you are. Like, um, like kind of like being yourself at full potential. Cause that's when I, when I think of through hiking and I think of, I could like my hiker trash self, I think of like, Oh, that was like, you know, one of the best times of my life. And that's when people like really got to see who I was. Yeah. There's no secrets out there, right? I mean, you you are, you are, you are being your true you out there. Yeah. You can't really hide who you are on, on a trail or just, I mean, in a lot of kind of, uh, I guess in a lot of these like outdoor, I don't want to say sports because I don't think through hiking is a sport, (laughs) but like recreation or just like when you're doing, when you're like really immersing yourself in nature, I think that's when people really you can you can get a real good sense of other people, and they can get a really like true sense of who you are. Yeah, and that probably works in some people's advantage, and uh, for others, not so much. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> hey, have you ever by chance uh, come across Ivy Tat, either his YouTube channel or Instagram feed, or even maybe out on the trail somewhere? I feel like I've heard that name, but I can't place who it is. Okay. Ivy Ted, he had, he's a triple crowner. Uh, he's been on the podcast a couple of times, and he had a very strict definition of hiker trash. Uh, the prerequisite was that you had to spend at least one night in a restroom of some sort. Oh, yeah, I've done that. Okay. So there you mm-hmm. go. You, your mm-hmm. bona fides are verified. Very good. Yeah, I've done that. I've slept behind hotels because i don't want to pay for a room um yeah i've slept some pretty weird places (laughs) yeah now i'm sure that with all your your miles out on the trail that you have come across a trail name a trail name has been bestowed upon you we typically go by trail names here on the podcast so uh, have you picked up a trail name yeah uh i go by twerk twerk as in the as in the uh the, the popular dance move these days Yes, exactly. Is it a dance move? Are they dancing when they do this? It doesn't have to be a dance, right? It's just a it's a, uh, a physical it's, movement, I would call it. Uh, I think it originates from like a, a you know a dance move, but it it it's dancing, it's movement. Okay. Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite parts of this particular segment of the podcast is finding out the story behind the trail name. How did you come by 
twerk? Um, well, I did, so on the PCT in 2017, I did it about 900 miles and I used to carry a, uh, little Bluetooth speaker. And at the end of the night, it'd get everyone in camp and we'd do stretches and everyone would take a turn, like doing a different stretch. And, uh, when it came to my turn, I said, okay, everyone has to come up to this tree and twerk on it. So I was twerking on it. And I mean, the first name someone wanted to give me was Ballsack because I wear short shorts and it revealed a lot. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah. And then someone told me that my name should be twerk. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like me. <laughs> I think twerk is definitely an upgrade from ball sack. Yeah, I think so too. It's still silly, but I, I, I wanted it. I wanted a silly trail name. I didn't want anything that sounded cool or, or, you know, I don't want like a superhero name. I wanted something that made me sound like an idiot, which I am. <laughs> oh, this is this is great. This should be a great interview. We enjoy talking to hiker trash and idiots. This is this yeah, is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now I imagine that the the handle torque was probably already taken on uh, most social media platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I when I so when I set off to do the PCT again and through hike it in 2018, I was like, Oh, I kind of want to like change my Instagram handle. So it's something related to like the outdoors and maybe my trail name. So I thought of torque in the dirt because it rhymed and it was silly and just kind of stuck. Torque in the dirt. That's a good visual too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Torque, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? Uh, I have not. Okay, that's all right. I, I, Don't I'm be offended listening. by that, though, because I like never listen to podcasts. I am absolutely <laughs> so. not offended. I only ask. <laughs> yeah. I want to. I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment that we do towards the end of the episode called the Pro Tip Insight of the Week, and that's okay. where I turn to you, Twerk, and I will say, what what bit of trail wisdom do you have to share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? So don't cool. be surprised when we get there. Okay, sounds great. Okay, now you are expected to drop trail wisdom throughout the episode. But just be, be aware that anything you drop early on, you can't reuse that at the pro tip. You have to come up with something original and fresh. Okay, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> the must bring gear review. All right. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Twerk, what is your must-bring piece of gear out there? My camera. Camera? What yeah. What kind of camera do you go with? Uh, I use a Canon. Um, just on the CDT, I was using a 7 or 5D Mark IV. And then I used a 7D in 2018 on the PCT, but I never go anywhere without my camera. Okay. How do you carry your camera on the trail? Uh, this time around, I switched it up. Actually, um, Chicken Tramper Gear, if you know those guys, made me a custom camera bag that sat right here on my chest in front, um, which was different from how I carried it on the PCT. And the PCT, I put it in like two dry sacks and kept it in my back pouch, which I would have to take off my whole pack to pull it out. So yeah, they made me that custom little, it's, um, the little camera pack and it sat right here. And I was just able to like pull out my camera whenever I wanted. It was awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have to imagine being in two dry sacks on your back. That would be pretty cumbersome to get that out. Yeah. And you don't want to, I mean, you know, like sometimes you want to stop and take a photo, but I'm like, I also don't want to take off my pack. 
<laughs> so it's like, oh, fuck it. I'll just keep walking. Right. Now, I, I probably belong in that category that 99% of us are in, and that is, you know, carrying an, uh, a cell phone and taking our pictures on the cell phone out there, which is in your mm-hmm. pocket. You pull it out when 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 you see something spectacular and you you snap off a few photos. Uh, yeah, if it's trapped in your backpack, that I mean, that that could le- that could lead to some missed shots. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And probably <laughs> and probably fewer shots on the trail. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Okay. Now, if if you're carrying a camera out there, I mean, what was what was the rest of your gear like? Are you are you do you consider yourself ultralight or or do you kind of middle of the road kind of guy? I'd say middle of the road. I've tried to do like the ultralight thing, and I just like don't understand it or don't know how. Like, I like having an extra pair of underwear to sleep in. I like having extra socks. Like. I don't know. Like you, like if you're carrying more, you adjust, you know, like I, I wish I could be ultralight, but I also like comfort and I like having a bunch of shit on me. <laughs> the nice thing is though, like I don't require a lot of food. Like even when I get hiker hunger, I like still don't eat that much. I'm like, I'm five, three, you know, like I'm a small person and like, I just like don't eat a lot in real life anyway. So that's, that's the nice thing is like, I don't have to eat that much. So I don't have to carry that much food. Yeah, I guess there's there's certainly a trade-off between being ultralight and your level of comfort out there. And there's something yeah. about having a level of comfort. But I do have to ask, you're supposed to bring underwear out there? I, did, I didn't know that was a thing. I bring underwear to sleep in. I'm, I'm just kidding. I bring yeah. underwear. Yeah. Oh, I was like, some people probably don't. Super. I know people that don't. Yeah, believe me. Yeah. 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 No, I just bring them to sleep in like because I, I use my – like I just wear shorts with liners in them. Nice. And so what is, what is your gear kind of, uh, um, peak out at in terms of weight? What, what's your base weight? Do you think? Uh, I think before I left for the CDT, my, I got, I ended up getting lazy and not doing everything. And it was at about 17 pounds, but I'm sure that topped out at 20, okay. maybe somewhere in there. That's very manageable. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked to a lot of first time hikers out here who love to be prepared and they think they need to bring everything. And, uh, you know, they're carrying just enormous loads. And then after the first night, of course, they're, they're saying, okay, what can I leave behind? What can I donate to other hikers? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I did that same thing on Mm -hmm. the PCT the first time I brought so much shit. I was carrying a 70 liter pack. Like it literally went from the bottom of my ass and went over my head. It was huge. And I have no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> you figure it out though. That's <laughs> it's all right. learning experience, you know. You figure it out. That sounds like monster in uh, in wild. I don't know if I don't know if you saw that or not or read it. I, I saw it a long time ago. I can't remember yeah, that's it. That's what that's what Cheryl Strayed called her backpack, nicknamed oh, it. Oh, okay. It's yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. Absolutely huge. So okay. okay. I was thinking I think I was thinking monster as a person because I know a couple of monsters from the PCT. <laughs> <laughs> all right it's the hiking pole all right hey twerk we've got a, a segment we we do called the hiking pole and it's not the hiking pole that you hold in your hand it's p-o-l-l like a survey so it's seven questions mm-hmm. uh this 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 week's episode we are going to focus directly on hiking questions so it's very appropriate it's called the hiking pole got seven questions that I'd love to hear which side of the fence you fall on with these, with these issues. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea what's coming at you. You you didn't see these questions in advance. No, I did not. (laughs) You did not. So this would be fun. All right. Easy one to start off with. Trekking poles or no trekking poles? 
trekking poles. Yeah. And why do, why do you say that? Because I know a lot of beginners out there, you know, they're very self-conscious about using trekking poles. They think they're going to look funny. People are going to make fun of them for having trekking poles. You know, what's, the, what, what is the benefit of trekking poles? Oh, cause I'm fucking clumsy. <laughs> like I would never hike without trekking poles. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've had a misstep and I have used that trekking pole to catch my, my balance. And it's, it's telescoped all the way down, of course, with my, with mm-hmm. my weight as I put my weight on it and almost fallen, but it, it saved my face a few times. I'm sure. Oh yeah. I've caught myself so many times using trekking poles. I never hiked without them. Okay. Question number two, boots or trail runners? Ooh, that's hard. I, I honestly, I'd go boots. Like if I had to choose, for like the rest of my hiking life, I choose boots because I like having the ankle support again because I'm clumsy, mm-hmm. and I like having you know sometimes when you walk and like your ankle kind of gives out a little bit before it kind of like does that little mm-hmm. that little jerk. If I wear boots and I have that little bit of ankle support, it that catches me. So and I, I do like trail runners as well because they're they're lighter, but I do like having that the ankle support. That's interesting. You know, most, most of the long trail through hikers that I talk to will always say trail runners. So you're, yeah. you're, you're a bit out of the, uh, out of the norm there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wore two pairs of boots on the PCT and I mean, I still have one, I have one pair that I, I wore for 1200 miles and I still have them like they're Yeah. They, they lasted. Yeah. You wore two pairs of boots. How did you get the one pair over the other pair? I mean, that's, that sounds very unusual. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Hey, question number three. Uh, in terms of your shelter um, system, tent, tarp, or hammock, or cowboy camping, what's your preferred? Tent. 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 Always. I love having a tent. Okay. And, and what is it about the tent that is is uh, preferential? Uh, that, like, it... It's stupid, but I'm sure anyone that uses a tent feels this way. It just feels like safety. <laughs> it also is like, you know, through hiking is like very social. There's like obviously tons of people on the trail. And it's like, I'm in my tent. Don't talk to me. You know, it's like, it's like you're, it's like, it's like going to your room when you live with roommates, you know, it's like, okay, I'm in my room. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. it, there's a, a sense of refuge there. Af- yeah, Absolutely. Though it, it, you know, that thin, that thin layer is not necessarily going to protect you from uh, a, a bear or uh, yeah, coming yeah. through your camp. So, all right. Hey, this next question, uh, very important here. This is really going to give me an insight into your, your level of sanity. When you're out there, do you prefer stove, cold soak or stoveless? Stove. Okay. All right. Always never go without a stove. Did you, have you ever tried cold soap? No, it sounds disgusting. I tried it. I mean, I, I, I had on here, <laughs> uh, uh, I had on here, Aaron from back, back. Uh, oh, I'm going to blow this um, back. Back country foodie. I don't, that's, that doesn't sound right, but she, she, she has a website um, with all kinds of recipes and she, mm-hmm. she sold me. She goes, you, you need to try cold soap. I mean, I've got great cold soap recipes. I think backcountry foodie. I think, I think that's it. That's it. And so I I gave it a firm shot last summer. I I uh, went cold soaking for, yeah. for a few days in the Sierras, and I was you know the rest of my buddies were were eating nice hot food at the end of the day, 
and I I gave up midway. I couldn't I couldn't do it. It it was a bit gross at times. So yeah, yeah. I there's no way. <laughs> Anyone who's willing to give up the seven ounces that some of your lighter stoves uh, weigh in in favor of of cold soaking that that is just a different person. Yeah, I mean, like, good for them, but i i want to I want to eat good food or hot food <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, if it's not good, at least it's hot. Like I'm already eating bad food. So as long as it's warm, I can survive. Okay. Now this is not official an official question on the hiking pole. It's kind of an ancillary question. Uh, what, what's your favorite go-to food out there? What do you eat for dinner? What do you like to eat for dinner out there? Ramen. Yeah. A ramen guy. I ramen never gets old. Every time I go backpacking, I bring ramen. That's my favorite. Do you have any yeah. favorite ramen recipes? Anything you add to ramen to, to maybe spice it up? Um, I just bring chili flakes and I put that in there. I'm like, you know, like I, I'm actually like, I, I cook a lot. Like I'm actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good cook. I grew up cooking. Uh, but when I'm backpacking, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna engage. I just want, I want it to be easy. I want it to be quick. I want to go to bed. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to make any crazy meals out in the back country <laughs> unless I'm like car camping, you know? <laughs> Agreed. And you mentioned earlier that uh, you don't eat a whole lot out there. And I, 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 I can totally sympathize with that because at the end of the day, I mean, you're just tired. And uh, some of the, some of the meals out there, maybe some of the stuff during the day, the bars, the jerky, whatever it, it is, it is a chore to chew those things and get them down. Nice. And so I find myself same thing. Uh, not, not too hungry, just you know, tired. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes I'll go to bed without dinner and I'll just eat a little bit more the next day, but uh. Okay. All right. Next question in the, in the hiking pool, sleeping bag or quilt, what's your preferred sleep system? Um, sleeping bag for sure. Really? I did, I did, I did use a quilt this year though, by Catabatic and that changed, that did change my mind. I think at the end of the day though, I like being like having the zipper and having, you know, being like really wrapped up, but the Catabatic quilt I used is like amazing. And it was so warm that it was actually beneficial to have it to like not zip it up all the way and like have it be, yeah, have it be a quilt. Um, even on the, like the super, super cold nights, it's really nice. But I I'd say if I had to choose, yeah, sleeping bag for sure. Okay. Now, uh, is, is life better above or below the tree line? Below. Yeah. I like, I, I really like this sense of being kind of, um, small like like i mean i guess you feel like that when you're on top of a mountain too but like i don't know i kind of like being immersed really like truly immersed in like in in nature like having trees around and like knowing that you're in the mountains but like i like feeling not completely like lost but um yeah just just feeling like you're wrapped up in nature is a really nice feeling Tommy, I'm sensing a theme here. I'm noticing that there's a trend in the, in your answers and that uh, you don't necessarily like being exposed. You don't like, you know, you know, you, you prefer to be in a tent. You're in, enclosed in a tent. Yeah. Or the sleeping bag. You're kind of enclosed in the sleeping bag and you prefer being down below the tree line. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe that's because I'm a really social hiker and that's just my way of like finding my like introverted side. Like I'm, I'm, in, I'm definitely like an ex- I'm an introverted extrovert for sure. So maybe that's just like, that's, that's where I find solace uh, that might be for, for myself. 
I'm always on the lookout for the title of the episode during the interview. Maybe that maybe that is the title of this uh, of this episode: the introverted extrovert. Maybe. We'll see. What do you think? I don't know. I say a lot of crazy shit when and we got another hour. It sounds yeah, like, that's right. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to pigeonhole us I'll here. I'll keep drinking this wine. So. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. Last question: the American Long Trails should they be hiked northbound, southbound? Flip-flop or, or depends? Oh, I, I I don't know. It's like whatever people feel like doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, I don't give a shit what people do. <laughs> how, how, how have you approached the long trails? What would have been your long hikes? Have they been northbound? Yeah, I've only I've always gone north because it seems like you have a, like a little bit more of a window of time. And I like to take days off. I like to not have to, I don't know quote unquote crushed miles or anything like that. I just do what yeah gets the job done, I guess. Okay. Well, hey, that's our seven questions. Let me do some quick math here. And by the way, there's an automatic 20 point deduction for being a long trail hiker because you know that's that's a bit crazy. So mm-hmm. <laughs> don't be offended by that. It's okay. Um, tabulate the scores here and you have a solid 64. Congratulations. Oh thanks. <laughs> if I had asked your friends ahead of time and said, Hey, what, uh, how would you rate Tommy on a scale of one to a hundred in terms of his sanity? 100 being completely sane, zero being completely insane. Where, where would they have, have put you on the scale? In, in relation to what? Just, just you as a in, person. In general, like in life in, in or on general, trail? That's or... Right, in life. Oh, shit. Um, I don't know. Maybe like 50. Fifth, I scored you higher then. I feel like I'm just like right in the middle. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, we like you said, we've got another hour to go. So, I mean, that score could adjust downward or upward. We'll see. We'll it could. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We would love to hear about your background, where you grew up, did you play any sports uh, growing up, sports or hobbies, and how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? Because let's face it, uh, any organization or group of people that convinces you to live in the dirt for for days and months at a time has got to be a cult. No, no judgment there. Just, you know, calling it like it is. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Northern California in a town called Redding. It's about 45 minutes South of Mount Shasta where the PCT goes through. If it's familiar. And so, yeah, that's where I grew up and grew up going up to Mount Shasta, hanging out in the Trinity Alps with my dad and my brothers. And we, you know, childhood was fishing, camping, hiking, um, just, you know, playing in the dirt, playing in the streams and, uh, yeah, pretty, you know, great childhood, good family. Um, my mom's Mexican. So grew up with really good food, love to cook. Um, yeah. Then, uh, never played any sports. I think my parents put me in soccer at like four or four. I was like four or five or something. And I never played because I didn't want to. So I just, was on a soccer team. I would just sit on the sidelines because um, I thought it was stupid. And then <laughs> uh, I think I ran across country when I was in like fifth and sixth grade. And then that was stupid too. I mostly grew up dancing. Like me and my little brother, my mom put us in. Um, like we did like this like summer, like kind of like summer camp, but for like show choir. So we like sang and dance, but I loved dancing and I still do. Um, I'm like, I mean, my name's twerk, so I'm pretty good at dancing actually. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we grew up doing that and that was, uh, I guess that would be 
And I mean, like, I think, uh, I mean, like what I was doing was uh, more like show choir, but I definitely like think a lot of dancing could be considered a sport um, depending on like the level you're doing it at. But so, but that was like, kind of like, yeah, for me, I, I never had this dream of like through hiking. I knew what it was probably when I was in my early twenties, cause my older brother hiked the PCT when he was 27. So that was 2011. He threw hiked my older brother and he was one of like 80 people that finished. So I knew what the PCT was, um, kind of at, at that time. And then, but I was like, I would never fucking do that. That sounds terrible. <laughs> and then I, when I moved to port, I had lived in Portland. I lived with this guy named Andrew who had hiked the Appalachian trail, um, a few years prior to us living together. And he knew my brother had hiked the PCT. And so he was always like, Oh, I'm going to hike this PCT in a couple of years. You should do it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It sounds stupid. And he kept kind of asking me to do the PCT and, uh, the night he broke up with his girlfriend at three years, I had, I was like, okay, I'm bringing a bunch of wine home and we'll get drunk and whatever, hang out. And he, we got drunk and I drunkenly agreed to do the PCT with him. And um, that's how I got, that's how I started through. I wasn't even inspired by my brothers because I usually, when I say yes to things, I usually commit, to <laughs> which is like a good thing. And also an annoying thing about me. Well, we covered a lot of ground right there. There's a lot to unpack. I've got some questions. Yeah. Yes, please. Sorry. Okay. All right. Let, let's start off with with the family dynamic. How many How many brothers do you have? I have two brothers and I have a little sister. Two brothers and a little sister. And yeah. so where where are you in the birth order? I'm the middle, middle oldest. Middle oldest. So second so, child. Yeah, second child. Second, second out of four. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And I think it's hilarious that uh, your brother did it and Andrew did it. And you're like, no, that's stupid. I am not doing that. Mm -hmm. and, and yet here we are in uh, August of 2022 talking about what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of sucked you in somehow. Yeah, it did. You know, I quit. I quit the first year I went, the year Andrew invited me to go in 2017. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, I did, I did 900 miles. I was proud of that. Mm -hmm. This isn't, this isn't for me. And then. It just, yeah, it got under my skin. I watched all my friends finish on like social media and I was like, fuck, I wish I would just stayed out there. So I just like saved all my money and went back the next year, started from the very beginning and did a full through hike in 2018. Yeah. Sometimes we end up in places uh, we necessarily never, never thought we would uh, because of a drunken promise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to be careful when you're on that wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't worry. This is my first class. I've only a couple of sips. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Keep going. This, this interview might get even better. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we can make some promises. All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what do you, what are you doing these days to to pay the bills? How do you how do you finance your adventures out there? Uh, I'm an outdoor photographer, so my most of my adventures are funded. <laughs> yeah. And so do you make enough off of your photography to do everything you want to do? Yeah, I have for two years now. I was a bartender for about 10 years. Yeah, about 10 years. And then I went and did the PCT bartender for like a stint when I got back. But um, honestly, doing the PCT is what kind of uh, gave me the connections. It gave me the opportunity 
gave you know gave me the opportunity to show my work and so now I work with various outdoor companies doing you know I do like product stuff and I do random projects and stuff but it's been mostly what I like to do is I like to think of projects I want to do and then I reach out to companies and say hey do you want to help fund this and make this come to life and so that's yeah that's what that's what I like doing, you know, cause then I get like the creative freedom to, you know, make whatever I want. So like last year I did a film project where I interviewed um, 11 individuals and did a short, made a short film about them. And they just talked about kind of who they are, why they go outside to like their connection to nature, but kind of the really like more like deeply personal narratives of, who they are you know so it was like yeah i like to go outside whatever everyone likes to go outside but it's like really talking about kind of more like underrepresented stories um and how those translate into their love of, of mother nature and then right now i'm working on a book um very beginning stages but for the next year i'm going to be photographing a hundred individuals and kind of telling their story same thing telling their story about who they are why they go outside, how they connect to mother nature in their own uh, individual and special ways. Torque, you and I are kindred spirits, I feel, because this is, you know, I told, I've told people before that, you know, we talk about outdoor adventure on this podcast. We talk about hiking. We talk about big wall climbing, talk about squirrel suit flying, but down at, at, the, at its base, <laughs> this podcast is really a human interest podcast. I love hearing the stories of why people do what they do you know, what they've done um, and, and their connections out there. And so I, I hear a lot of what you're saying uh, in my, in myself and in my podcast. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I think, you know, I think with a lot of outdoor narratives, whether that's podcasts or social media or films, even it's like, you know, it's a lot of it's like, oh, I like to go outside and I do these big, crazy things. And it's like, well, what about the people that don't want to do the crazy things, but still like to go outside and solve that connection? Like, what's their story? Mm-hmm. And I think that's and I think, you know, someone who, you know, I grew up in a small town, like I was gay or I mean, I still am gay. But like, I, you know, like at the time was like closeted. It came out when I was 16. You know, I never truly felt like I fit in or had or like I was included, you know, I just like, I was an out, I felt always felt like an outcast growing up until the day I graduated high school. And for me, you know, always feeling like an underdog. I think that's why so much of my work revolves around people and who they are and like letting them tell their story because I was like, that's how I felt. Like I always just wanted to like, I wanted people to truly like know who I was, but like never had that outlet. And so now that I do have that outlet, it's like, well, I want to be able to like create that for other people and make them feel included, whether they, you know, climb the, the highest peak in the world or whether they like to just go like sit on a fucking park bench in the middle of, you know, the, the most accessible park in their big city. You know, I think everyone deserves to have their voice be heard. And so that's, that's a big impetus for me of like creating the things that I do. And I think that's why it's really also really important to, to share stories because it builds empathy. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And do you mind if I get nosy and we, we find out more? About you can, you can ask me anything. <laughs> so I have to imagine growing up uh, a teenage boy in a, a small town and all of the, you know, expectations and the, the, the uh, norms in a small town that it, it must've been difficult to come out at age 16. How, how did, how, I mean, it's a courageous 
uh, decision to come out at age 16 in a situation like that. How, how did that go? Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like, it, it, it's so, it's so interesting. Cause like I, you know, at age 16, it was 2003, 2004, one of those years anyway, but it was like kind of right at this brink of time when like, you know, Ellen DeGeneres had come out at the, in the late nineties. And then like, had she had a, you know, she, if anyone remembers, she had a, uh, um, a TV show, like a sitcom and she comes out famously on her sitcom, but like also coming out in real life. If you, do you remember that show? I do. She, I do. She comes, Oprah was her therapist in the show and she comes out as gay. She says she's in love with Laura Dern, her best friend in the show. And she, you know, it was a big deal. And then she was on the cover of time magazine. It says, yes, I'm gay. Like, you know, it's her smiling, you know, being all Ellen and shit. And then her show got canceled. And then, so it was like this weird time where it's like, yeah, we like accept it. We want to talk about this, but like people still aren't okay with it. So it's like this really weird time of like, okay. You know, like I remember like seeing that and feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to get shunned. Like I, you know, like, and I grew up, like my family was amazing. I came out, I came out to my parents at 15, the year before, before I told anyone, I told my parents and my parents are like the most like amazing people in the world. They're, I mean, you know, they, they're just like, okay we love you. That's, that's all we give a shit about. You know, like my parents are awesome. Um, my whole family was great. You know, my cousins, my aunts and uncles, everyone was awesome. Um, and then, but it, it was just, it was so just like odd that during that time, it, you know, I being in a small town, being around of like very, a lot of conservative people. And when this really wasn't like, like really wasn't on the forefront of people's minds when it came to like acceptance um it was like actually like pretty okay and it was a scary time because I was only a junior in high school and the way I came out was like I was dating a boy who was a senior and so like we kind of like came out together not like on purpose we told a couple friends but it's high school so like everyone told everyone and then you know there was this week at school where I was just walking down the hall being like oh my fuck I'm gonna get I'm going to get beat up. Like I'm going to get murdered, but then it like kind of turned out. Okay. And then my next year of high school was like, good. And you know, kids were still mean to me, but I, it, there was so much freedom and finally saying it out loud that, you know, if a kid came up to me and like called me a faggot or like said, Oh, you're gay. I'm like, yeah, I am. We've just, you know, this has been discussed. It's nothing new. So it kind of gave me a lot of power in the sense that I was able to just like really truly be, who I was and like express to people that were close to me, like, you know, who I had a crush on, who I found attractive. And, um, and th- you know, that it, that it's not like it happened overnight, you know, that it's been a work in progress for years, but um, I, I, I attribute my good experience to my family because I could, you know, they were like, be whoever you want. Just like, don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> That could be the episode title right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am kind of an asshole though, too. So I don't know. So they, yeah, <laughs> they did. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, as you were, as you were going through that and you talked about how your family responded, I, I got chills. That was, that's, uh, that's amazing. And uh, how, how fortunate for you to have that experience and have that support. I mean, that's just awesome. Yeah, no, it, and yeah, and I feel very fortunate. And I also, but I also have to state that, like, that isn't the case for everyone, you know, like, you know, being almost 35 and a 
you know, dated a lot throughout my life. Like a lot of people I've dated, like have not had that same experience. A lot of my queer friends don't have that experience. So that's like something I like kind of always have to say, because like, I'm, yes, I'm lucky and I'm very grateful and I will never take that for granted, but yeah, it sucks that, you know, not everyone has that same experience with their, with their families, with their friends, with their communities. It's like, yeah. And it's, it's just weird that that still happens now. It's like that people even care. It's, 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 it's almost even weird to like, have to like talk about it. Cause like, as you know, I feel like I've just been this gay person that has like floated through life, you know, like I've never really had to think about it until I talk about it. I'm like, Oh, but you know, that is my experience and it is important. I just forget that that's an experience I have. <laughs> I mean, it's 2022. We're, we're 22 years into the, into the 21st century. What, why is yeah. such an issue? I know. Yeah. Hey, before I forget, um, you mentioned a film where you talked to folks and got their, got their stories. What, what is the name of that film? Well, I did. I, so I did 11 short films and I called it a vi- I called it a visual podcast series. Cause I'm like, well, first off, I'm like, just like terrible at naming things. Like I can make cool projects, but when it comes to naming them, I'm like, I don't know the hell to call it, but it's essentially, I was like, like recording a podcast and then turning it into a film where I was overlaying the kind of the, like the really poignant visceral things they were saying and, you know, making, making a podcast into like 10 minutes and make it visually stunning. That was kind of the idea behind it. Um, So it was called the visual podcast series is like what I called it. And where can people find that? Uh, It's on YouTube. It's on my Instagram. So if you just, you know, Google Tommy Corey, YouTube, it's on my YouTube channel or twerk in the dirt on Instagram. Got it. We'll have to check that out. Now I I have to admit that I'm intrigued when you said that you, you worked at a bar for 10 years because the the other people out there that have the best stories besides through hiker trash it are are bartenders. Uh, you have any good any good bartending stories before we go to break? Here? Oh man. Uh, well, yes, lots. <laughs> I, it's just it's just I think it depends on the like um, what kind of story you want. I, I mean, like when I was, tw- I turned 21 and I was living in San Francisco, I worked at a gay nightclub for a few years. So like that is one experience in itself. And then I worked at like a diet bar that was a gay bar, but it was like super, super divey and gross. That was probably my, like that experience alone was wild. Just like the, the most crazy characters you could ever imagine, you know, people, like would like i just remember like this woman that would like put her tits on the bar all the time and like people would like pour beer on them and like it it was just like crazy crazy shit and i was like i don't know what's happening but i'm just gonna go with it i don't think we're breaking any laws here (laughs) not sure if that's the best use of beer yeah yeah no it it was but i mean it was it was entertaining and it was funny but it was all uh, it was, I was also like, you know, it was like 24 years old. I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> now, what, what makes a bar a dive bar? What are the characteristics of a dive bar? Oh, just like scummy, you know, I think it's all about the, how disgusting the bathrooms are. Like that's makes a true dive bar and our bathrooms were gross. Now, did the bartenders have to clean the bathrooms or you had other, you had other help to do that? No, that's what was amazing about that job is we did not have to clean the bathrooms. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't think I would ever work a job where I had to clean a bathroom. Okay. That seems like a good a good point to uh, to take a quick break here. Yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll, we'll hear about uh, some of your adventures out on the trail and some uh, some other big topics. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Welcome back. We were talking to Tommy Twerk Corey. And uh, we just enjoyed some some bartending stories there and some insights into dive bars. But let's talk about your hiking resume. You, you've got some some serious miles under your your boots. I was going to say trail runners, not trail runners, under your boots. <laughs> 2017, you already referenced you did 900 miles of the PCT. PCT is 2,650 miles thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you know, I don't care. 900 miles is 900 miles. That's that's a serious bit of walking. Uh, take us through that trip. I know you made a drunken promise to Andrew to, to do this. And when did you realize that, you know what, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to do all 2,600 miles. And what was that decision like? Well, yeah, there was a high snow year. So I got to Kennedy Meadows. I skipped the Sierra because I was like, I don't, I don't do snow. <laughs> and then I, we, I went up to Northern California, did 200 more miles. And I was just like, mm, I'm kind of bored. I just don't want to do this anymore. And also ever, you know, it was like 
when you when you flip it's like a whole new set of people you've never seen before which is like which is like fine but i don't know i very much what i love about like doing a true northbound hike is like kind of the flow of like seeing people and like kind of leapfrogging and seeing familiar faces and so it, like, it just like felt lonely and so i got off and then yeah went back and direct in 2018 yeah, before we get to 2018, um, you expressed earlier that you you saw your friends finish in 2017, and you kind of experienced a little bit of regret. Yeah, I think it was more just, uh, I think it was more just that wondering if I could have done it. You know, it wasn't so much like it wasn't FOMO, like oh man, I wish I was finishing with them, or like, you know, it was more just like oh, I wonder if I could have done it if I like would have stuck with it. And I, I am very much someone who like starts things and quits them when they don't serve me, like, and I'm okay with that. But for some reason with through hiking with the PCT, I was like, oh, this is something I feel like I could have done. And it's such a like big, it's such a big deal. It's such a big feat. Uh, I, I wish I would have stayed to see if I could have done all of it. And so that's why I went back. Okay. And let's fast forward to 2018. So you, you go back. What was the uh, the start date of your trip in 2018? Um, April 15th, and I finished October 5th. Is that You didn't even refer to any documents uh, or computer or notes or anything when you, you rattled off those dates. So those those dates typically are burned into the memory of of thru-hikers. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got a tattooed on my ass on each cheek. Like, it's forever ingrained in me. <laughs> I really don't have that tattooed, by the way, but that actually would be a good tattoo. <laughs> Well, I was going to say TMI, but uh, there you go. <laughs> no, no ass tattoos. <laughs> no ass tattoos. Maybe that's the episode title. No ass yeah. tattoos. <laughs> that I would get people's interest, I think, right? Honestly, whatever you think, I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm down for whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I am so glad you pointed out early on that we still had an hour to go and many other possible titles might come up. Yeah. <laughs> We're not wrong. <laughs> Okay. So 2018 rolls around April 15th, you said? Yes. Yeah. Start out in Campo. Uh-huh. And what'd you think of the desert? You'd done it before. I, loved it. I love, I love the desert. That's why I wanted to restart from the beginning because I loved the desert. It's just like the desert is such an unassuming place. It's so unique. So many plants and like wildlife survive there under these like harsh conditions. It's like, it's just like so incredible. The sunsets are the most beautiful like sunsets you'll ever see. It's so expansive. Like I just, I love the desert. It's, I think I also just am really, really, um, or really, uh, there's just, for me, yeah, there's just like a lot of wonderment that exists around things that are not the, like not the norm, but um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like what people usually like, you know, like mountains and like right. the ocean. And, you know, it's like a lot of people hated the desert. And I think that's what made me love it more. You know, so many people while we were in the desert, they're complaining about the desert. And yeah, it's hot. And sometimes it's just, it, you know, it's it can be tough, but that's what made me love it more. That's what made me appreciate it. Because like when you, I think things are so much more beautiful when you have to look for the beauty in them. I was going to call you a contrarian that uh, you kind of <laughs> go against the flow, right? And you, you do things that are not normal. I mean, through hiking is not normal in, in everyday life, 
But then yeah. you, take it, you take it that next step further in that, you know, you prefer the spots that other people kind of dread. And I, I think you're right in that, that people dread it because a lot of people I talk to who are maybe considering the PCT um, or who talk about their experience on the PCT, I think the, the one area that they dreaded was, you know, that first section of the desert and, uh, you know, the water carries the, you know, what, what they would possibly run out, run into out there in terms of, you know, snakes or other things. Mm-hmm. And you seem like you, you embrace that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Oh my God. And I, and I love snakes. I think snakes are like one of the coolest animals on this earth. Like I love snakes. So I was like, so excited when I see a rattlesnake, like there's only a couple of times it startled me, but like, I think snakes are dope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the PCT has very different um, sections to it. Very different, as I would say, ecosystems. You, know, you have the desert. You go through like six different ecosystems on the PCT. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's like, it's wild. And in this, in this hike on 2018, you did go through the Sierras. Yeah, it was a it was a low snow year, so it was a pretty smooth sailing out there. <laughs> now, I've spent a fair amount of time in the Sierras. Our listeners uh, like hearing about the Sierras. What were your favorite part up in the mountains? In the Sierra specifically? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a hard time in the Sierra. I was alone most of it. Um, I mean, it was beautiful, but I was like, I, I got to the Sierra and kind of was like in between two bubbles of friends um so i did like i mean like the one of the hardest parts is that 110 120 miles from bishop to mammoth and i did that whole section by myself and saw you know i saw a bunch of jmt hikers going the other way i saw maybe other like five other northbounders like every i don't know what it was i just like didn't see that many people so that was a really hard section for me so i was just like it was pretty but I was just like bitching the whole time. <laughs> so it was like, that was harder to find, you know, cause I think as the beauty, like what I was talking about earlier, it's like the beauty was right there in front of me. So like, yeah, I'm walking around. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. This is amazing. You know, but in my head, I was like, God, this is miserable. So like, where's all my goddamn friends, you know? Uh, but I, I would say the thing that I got from doing that, having that experience was I came out of it and was like, Oh shit, this is the first time I like realized in my life that like I kind of like being alone. I I like I did that whole thing by myself and yeah, I was like a little lonely, but that wasn't so bad. You know, I I I really realized like oh man, like I kind of like spending time with myself. And so that's that that's kind of the beauty of the Sierra for me is like the first time I ever realized and at the time I was 30, 30 years old when I hiked. Um in 30 years I was like, oh shit, like kind of like this side of me you know that is something to get used to right i mean for much of our lives we are around other people Mm -hmm. and when you're out there on a on a long trail um there's a lot of time you spend inside your own head and being comfortable with that is that's a that's something you have to learn yeah absolutely and i mean like i feel like from start to finish i I didn't really listen to a lot of music. I never listened. I listened to maybe a couple podcasts sometimes, but for the most part, I really didn't listen to much because I just had so much stuff in my head that I think I needed to not really like work out, but just, I don't know. I just needed to add lots to think about because of how social of a person I was up until that point. 
And it's interesting, like having done this, I did like 850 miles of the CDT this year. I felt like, I was like, I have like nothing to think about. <laughs> you know, I was like, I feel like, a, you know, I'm pretty like secure person and having a good life at home. Like I didn't really, it was weird. It was a completely different experience where it was like, I was constantly listening to mute, like listening to music and podcasts. Cause I was like, I have nothing to think about right now. It was weird. You kind of beat me to the punch there, Tommy. I was going to ask you, do you ever run out of thoughts? I mean, there, there's only so many things you can mull over. Yeah, I definitely felt like I ran out of thoughts this year, for sure. Which is like, it's like, is fine. You know, it's a good feeling. You know, sometimes I think it's nice to like not have anything in your head. You know, sometimes I wish I could, you know, there's times where I'm just like, God, shut up up there. <laughs> yeah, you ever get stuck in a loop? thought loop it just uh, you're thinking about the same thing over and over again or the same words are going the same song lyrics mm, yeah 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 all the time <laughs> all right hey what did uh what did canadian border twerk learn about uh mexican border twerk what did, what advice would you give yourself if you had the chance to go back um to, to not compare myself to people and i did that up until the day i finished you know i was annoyed that everyone got to the border before me even though i left before them you know i was always the first out of camp and i was always the last to camp you know i'm a slow hiker i could put in the miles but i got to put in the time um and i was <laughs> frustrated and in my like i we had 12 miles that last day to do to the border and i was still pissed off that i couldn't walk as fast as everyone else that that still bothered me and i was like and i literally in my last three miles being like you idiot you're you are literally about to finish the pct this thing that you came back and did like you have been on this trail for five and a half months and you are still and like you're still being a bitch that you can't walk as fast as everyone else it was so stupid and did you run into that same problem on the cdt this year no not at all no, it was a, it was very much a different, very much different experience going, thinking I was going to through hike this year, but I just very much learned that through hiking for right now, I don't know that's forever how that's going to look for me, but just very much realized it doesn't serve me right now. And I was very okay with it. Like quitting the PCT in 2017 was like, felt like this big deal. You know, it felt like, oh my God. Like everyone's going to like think I'm like a quitter and I suck and blah, blah, blah. And then like this year I was like, yeah, I quit. It was like, I have way cooler shit going on at home. You know, I was like, I was like, I got this book I want to make. Like, you know, like I have all this creativity and I can't do it out here. Like I, like I have to go home, you know, there's good things waiting for me at home. And it's funny how much people think when you quit a through hike, you know, I can't tell you how many messages I got from like strangers, you know, being like, are you okay? Like you, I saw you got off the trail. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm completely fine. Like, honestly, next time I go on a through hike, ask me if I'm okay. You should ask me if I'm going to do a through hike. <laughs> Cause that's how I felt going into the CDT it was like, I have nothing going on. I'm just going to go hike. <laughs> now twerk. I, I want to, I want to explore that a little bit. 2017, you said when you quit, it was a kind of a traumatic experience and you're worried about what, what people are going to, what they're going to think of you for not completing this 2,650 mile trail. 
and you had a very different experience this year when you when you left the CDT after 850 miles. What has changed in torque between 2017 and 2022? What's the difference? I'm just I'm just way more confident in who I am, and I know it serves me as a as a person, as a as an artist. You know, a lot of my my experiences outdoor are very much based off of how I can create outside, you know, like what I, you know, I, I don't think I would have finished the PCT in 2018 if I hadn't, you know, done hiker trash Vogue or like been a photographer and, you know, I, I, I like photography is my life, like more than anything, more than hiking, more than the outdoors. Like thank God I'm an outdoor photographer, but for me, like photography has been my life since I was 12 years old. And so every decision, everything I do is based around how can I take photos? How can I create something to leave on this earth when I'm gone? And so, you know, having done the PCT and like done this big photo project and then doing the CDT, um, I very much realized, oh, you know, I've been doing all this diversity work for the last four years and, you know, talking about, you know, LGBTQ outside and people of color outside and disabled people and, you know, all these like underrepresented stories and on the P on the CDT, I'm like, oh, I can't do that out here. It's a very heteronormative, white, able-bodied space, which is like, okay, because everyone out there is amazing. I love through hikers. Like, I love the community. It's just not a reflection of the community that I like am wanting to build within my work. And I, and I, so I realized it was like, I either have to like, you know, finish this just out of ego or I quit and go do what serves me. And that's my, my work. And so every decision I, I, so that's getting back to your question. I, sorry, I'm rambling now. Maybe I didn't have too much wine, but, uh, (laughs) but getting back to your question is that um, the confidence is what has changed in who I am and in my work and knowing that if I make a decision, it's because it's based off what I'm creating and like what I think is important. Um, Whereas in 2017, when I quit, I was like, Oh my God, what are people going to think of me? This is so embarrassing, you know? And now I'm like, okay, if people think that they think that I'm, you know, I'm doing things that serve me. And I think that's what everyone should do, you know? Like, don't let your ego get in the way. There's so many other cool things you could do outside of through hiking. Right. That, that's a good point. In fact, one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, two of two of your three hikes, you didn't finish, right? Finish. I put in, in, in air quotes. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. You, you did the 2018 full PCT, but the other two, you know, you left after a portion of the trail. What, what, what advice do you have for folks out there who are on the trail and find themselves in a spot where, you know, they're a quarter of the way in or halfway in and they're suffering and there's, uh, you know, they really feel this pressure that they have to, they have to finish. Yeah. I think that's hard because I think it also depends on the person and like how much, how well they know themselves. And like, I feel like in 2017, like, I don't think I knew myself well enough at that point so it was like it not easy to quit it was like it felt like an easy decision then I got off I'm like oh my god this is like and you know I was all nervous about what people would think and then like quitting a through hike in 2022 I'm like oh I know myself and I know what I need you know so that that's like kind of hard it just depends on the person it's like you know how well do 
how much do you know about yourself to make that decision you know but uh, at the in the in the end if you want to make that decision no matter who you are it's all going to work out it'll teach you a lesson it's like a relationship that that doesn't work out you know it's no matter what no matter how no matter how like terrible it was for you or how much it didn't serve you or maybe it was good but it just like didn't work out you're always going to learn something from it and i think that's what the trail is whether you finish or not finish you know like it'll always serve you in some way it'll always teach you a lesson so don't i i would not let i don't think people should be deterred from quitting because there's always a lesson to be learned no matter how many miles you walk i think okay now tommy corey he knows himself a lot better in 2022 than he did in 2017 and i know this is going to depend on the individual but but how how did you gain that knowledge about yourself? What 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 did you do, or what what factors influenced you to be able to to know yourself better and realize you know you, you need to be you need to engage in activities that better serve you? I think a lot of I mean, like I said, a lot of it's based off my work and um, being vulnerable, being open to like criticism, and you know, with that said, like my work revolves around a lot of like talking to other people and hearing their stories and listening and, you know, using that as a way to be empathetic as a way to, you know, teach others who are listening about life and other people's lives and like how people go about the world and the outdoor space and whatnot. And um, can you ask the question one more time? Cause I had a point and I just lost it. <laughs> How did, how did, how did Tommy Corey learn more, more about himself in these last five years? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, getting back to the the point was like, I, I just finally for once just kind of like listened rather than being like, Oh, this is my narrative. This is my, you know, this is my story. It's like, Oh, what is everyone else's story? Like, that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to figure out. I figure out, I, I learn a lot about myself by listening to others because that is something I've wanted to do my whole life. You know, like I was obsessed with Oprah Winfrey as a kid, like obsessed. Like I would put t-shirts on my fucking head and pretend there were wigs and like try to interview my three-year-old brother and be like, you know, I'd be like, why did you murder your wife? And he's like, I don't know what the hell is going on. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like I was obsessed with Oprah cause she like interviewed all types of different people across the board, like rapists, murderers, celebrities, you know, athletes. But the thing I noticed about her as a kid is she always talked to people like exactly what they were, just just people. Um, and I was really fascinated by that. And so I think that's why like it's the why I do the work I do um, and why I internalize the story so much because I learned so much about myself. And I think that's why I'm very confident in the, like, the decisions I make and the way I go about different spaces because I have used that experience of being an interviewer, being someone that creates, you know, stories and narratives. I've used that in the way to be empathetic and um, just treat everyone, you know, the same. And so I think that's why I'm confident in my decisions and who I am today. That's pretty poetic, Torque. That is almost <laughs> really because I felt like it's it just rambled. So it was a bit of a ramble, but it, it, the, the yeah. concept itself is poetic. I mean, because it, it almost seems counterintuitive to learn more about yourself by listening to others. 
I mean, there the, that is a a very uh, I don't know. It feels very symmetrical somehow and uh, unexpected. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what everyone should do, though. Like, I I mean, it's I learn a lot by by I learn a lot about myself by spending time alone. But I definitely thrive when I'm with others. Like, I think most humans do just in their own ways. And I think more people should explore that, honestly. I think there's a lot to learn from others. Okay. Now you mentioned something pretty important earlier, and that is kind of a lack of diversity in the outdoors and on the trail. How do how do we change that? How do we get how do we get more diversity out on, on the trails? Any ideas? Internally. And that it starts with companies. You know, they control the outdoor space. You know, you can't go backpacking without a backpack or without a sleeping bag or without shoes with, without socks, you know, without anything. I mean, you can't you're gonna be fucking miserable. You might die, but you know, so I, it's, it's, and I, as someone who works in the space and that is my career and I work with a lot of outdoor companies and, you know, a lot of these companies are trying to do the work and they are, you know, there are a lot of companies that are doing the work, putting their money into diversity inclusion, but then you look at their team and they're all white. So I, I think a lot of it has to be internal. I really do. I think it's like you, if your team is all white, like you need to reassess that, like hire, you know, hire people of color. You need to hire plus size people. You need to hire people who are disabled you need to hire lgbtq like you you know like you if you want to have a array an array of people outside that's what your company needs to look like too because only then are people who come from like marginalized communities or underrepresented communities only they understand what that feels like and only then can they really truly like genuinely include other people like them you know it's it, i think it's really important that you know, to, you know, for coming from marginalized community, like to feel safe, you usually feel safe with people who have your lived experience. So I think internally is like the first part. And that's really hard because it's like, you know, some of these companies are so small. So it's like, you got to wait for someone to leave. And then, but it's like, who are you going to hire next? So you're going to just hire another, like another like straight white person, or you're going to hire like a disabled gal, you know, or you're going to hire a black person that likes backpacking, you know, I think it's really, um, I, I, I think it's like, if you build it, they will come. Like if you make those things available, they're going to show up. You know, I think a lot of companies think, Oh, well, we can't find any black people to hire. We can't find any disabled people. I'm like, they're there. You just have to like make it available. You have to make people feel included. Now, Torque, you, you obviously work with a, a lot of different companies in, in uh, on your various projects. Uh, are there any companies out there that are doing it better than others? Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely think um, – I mean, Sawyer products – yeah, absolutely. I mean, outside of just making a water filter, they, I mean, they also like donate water filters to like third world countries and like supply clean water all over the world. I think that's something people that like a lot of backpackers don't realize like, Oh cool. You got to filter your water. I'm like, no, they actually like change the world with their product. 
like if if anyone's inclusive it's them i love sawyer like they're an amazing company um uh, i'm trying trying to think um who else i i mean i i love i i don't use them because i'm i don't have lady parts but kula cloth you know anastasia who owns kula cloth i mean she made a sustainable project or a sustainable product that is like geared towards females like makes you know people and i say this because like not everyone that has female parts identifies as female but makes it accessible you know to people with female parts to like want to go outside and like have and it's and it's like fun it's interesting and it's like they make cool designs like i think kula cloth is like an amazing company you know it's producing a lot of waste which is amazing um so that's like you know that's another one i can think of that's extremely like inclusive and in building inclusivity diversity in the outdoors for sure um trying to think some i mean there's there's tons but those are the two that like okay. are kind of always, always on the forefront of my mind of like people that are like really doing the work and like putting like money where their mouth is for sure Nice. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. And, and no, uh, no, that's fine. Please okay. do. I, okay. I like it. I like it. Okay. <laughs> now you mentioned a, a book project that's in the works. You want, you want to talk a little bit about that? What's going on? I'd love to. Yeah. So okay. um, yeah, right now I'm working on a book project. It's going to be a coffee table book that'll feature portraits of 100 different individuals. And these are people from all different sectors of the outdoor spaces. So, you know, I got people who are climbers and, you know, kayakers and people who are in adaptive sports to just, you know, people who literally just like to go outside, just like to go camping or just like sit outside. Um, and, but it's like the whole premise is, you know, it's not just, just to show diversity in people that go outside, but to show the diversity in the ways that people connect with mother nature, you know, you know, not everyone can go through hiking, not everyone can go climb a mountain, you know? So I have a lot of disabled people because I think that's really important that we showcase these people who may might you know physically physically can't do these things but can also but like can do these other incredible things in the outdoors you know um they can just exist outside which i think is just as important so it's it's for me the goal is for anyone to be able to pick this book up and see themselves represented somehow in the people the the story or the the thing they're doing outside um so it's going to be, it's going to be all across of anyone you can think of all across the board. And I've heard, I've done 72 interviews in the last three weeks with random strangers and it's, everyone's just been incredible. I've heard the most amazing, like beautiful stories. Uh, it, yeah, it's going to be really, it's going to be dope. I'm really excited about it. Nice. Do you have a title for the book yet? You know, I, I was calling it Outdoor Heroes, but that's like very generic. And like I said, I'm terrible at naming things. But I did think about, so I did a film last year on this gal, Ash Manning, who is a uh, plus size river rafting guide. And um, I named that film because like same kind of same thing that you do with your podcast. I, you know, listened to their interview. I took snippets and made their title out of what they said and she says in, in her film, she says um, something about we should be, you know, 
including all bodies. And then she says all bodies again. So I think I kind of want to name the book all bodies because it's so encapsulating of exactly what it sounds like. It's like all bodies outside, no matter what you look like, who you are, you belong outside, you belong in the space. So that's what I'm thinking of. I love it. How do I sign up for an advanced copy? Uh, well, it's going to be about a year of shooting and then that depends on the publisher. So I maybe like this time next year is when you could ask. Okay. I, this is my first time working with a publisher too. So I have, we're still drawing up contracts and all that stuff, but I'm really excited to have, yeah, I'm working with Timber Press out of Portland. They're a smaller publishing company, but they do a lot of outdoor, outdoor adjacent type work in a lot of like uh, diversity inclusion uh, type publications too, which is, so that's why I signed up with them. How exciting. Congratulations. That's, that's fantastic. And I will be sure to check in a year from today. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll be, I'm sure I'll be spouting about it for the next year as soon as they start shooting for it. All right. Hey, Torque, you know where we are? Uh, we're at the point where I have to give advice. The pro tip insight of the week. You are spot on, sir. That is correct. Now is the time for you to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us? I had something earlier when you said that and I lost it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think just do what serves you in the moment. You know, whether that's a through hike or a day hike or a sitting on a park bench or jumping in a river, just like, you know, do, do whatever serves you and in the best possible way, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be doing things the fastest or the hardest or the best. It's just about being outside. And I think that's what sometimes people lose track of is that at the end of the day, it's just about being outside. Nice. Very good. Hey, I would be remiss if I didn't mention to our listeners how you and I kind of paired up. I think I received a recommendation from a common uh, friend I had on the podcast, Morgan Brosnahan. Uh, yeah, I just ran. Uh, I actually just ran into her in bed last week too. I saw her van. I was like, oh my gosh, she's here. So I found it. That's really funny. Nice. And she, our listeners will remember, uh, she is Blaze, Blaze Physio. Uh, she follows the the bubble and uh, helps with treatment for hikers out there who are doing long trail hikes and keeping them on the trail. So, um, how how did you how did you know her before you ran into her in Bend? She hired me to take photos for her her business. Yeah, oh, okay. but she we have we have we had mutual friends from like trail just like trail stuff. She hiked the year after me, I think, two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so that's how we met for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, she was a really fun interview. Oh, she's a very sweetheart. Yeah. Very yeah, interesting and, person. And she got the cutest dog ever. Yes. It's a good <laughs> point with the hikers out there. Yeah. Yeah. So cute. Yeah. Okay. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Twerk. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Twerk, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Uh, just my Instagram, Twerk in the Dirt, Twerk, T W E R K in the dirt (laughs) just like it sounds yeah yeah very good all right remember to check out the pod on social media as well we are on facebook youtube instagram twitter and tiktok twerk does twerk have a tiktok you know i do i never updated though so it's like not even worth it okay 
<laughs> I'm like hitting 35. I'm like, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, ginger balls, another triple crowner who has been a multiple, uh, oh, I think I've on, met him on the, on the podcast here. He, when he found out I had a, a TikTok, he called me a 16 year old girl. So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, I try, I'm just trying to get the, trying to get the pot out there. So yeah, you know, whatever sure. we have to do. So you gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the new wave of social media. Yeah. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can also send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. The old, the old fashioned method, you know, an email. You can send me an email. The Adventure Media Recommendation. All right, Twerk. I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, YouTube channel, something that's going to help keep our listeners connected to outdoor adventures. We call this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? Oh, like a person? No, no, no. Media, media. So it, it could be some form of, of adventure media, like a book or a movie, uh, oh. documentary, anything out there that's really inspirational, get people connected to the outdoors. Man, I don't, I'm bad. I don't consume a lot of uh, outdoor stuff. I'm trying to think of like the last thing I actually, earlier this year, I saw, I watched a film called Spirit of the Peaks by an uh, indigenous man named Connor Ryan. It's really beautiful and very insightful coming from an indigenous person. I think everyone should check that out. Okay. Spirit of that, the Peaks. Yeah. What is really beautiful. What what platform can they find it on? Uh, I saw, so I saw it at the, the at a theater in Boulder. So, but I assume it's on like YouTube and you probably just Google it and find it. It's really wonderful. Okay. What have we not asked you? All right, Twerk, before you wrap things up, I've got just one more segment for you called What Have We Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? What, what did we miss today in the interview? Oh, my God. Uh, wow, put me on the spot. I don't know. Uh, what do people usually say? Oh, sometimes there's all kinds of little tidbits they let slip here at the end. Uh, sometimes I get upset with them because – they share a great story that, you know, probably should have been told maybe 45 minutes ago. So. Oh, God, I felt like I put a lot of detail into things. Um, God, this one's hard. I don't know. You, you ask. Okay. How about, uh, <laughs> sorry. What, what is a little known fact about twerk? Could be could be trail related. Could be could be just general life related. Oh my god, this is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm like I feel like really unprepared. Like you can ask me like the hard questions, and I can give you like an hour long yeah. answer. And when it comes you've to like been, these like little ones, I'm you've like been firing off all, all 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 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> you've been just nailing it. And uh, I asked you for a little, I, little fact about I, yourself, and you freeze up. I know. I honestly feel stumped. I'm trying to think of like something random about myself. That's interesting. I guess it's like really not anything. Um, Oh, okay. Actually, this is one it's stupid, but in eighth grade, I lost a spelling bee because I misspelled illiterate. That's pretty funny story. That's pretty ironic. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it at the time until I was older. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right hey that's a wrap from the john freaking Mirror studio any shout outs to friends and family twerk mm, that's all right <laughs> yeah, okay. all right 
There you go. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if the only reason you're out here is because of a drunken promise you made to Andrew. The trail <laughs> is the trail. Embrace the suck. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.